0: You are listening to Nutrition Matters Podcast with Paige Smathers, Registered Dietitian Nutritionist. Hey everyone, it's Paige, your favorite nutrition podcaster and dietitian. Nutrition Matters Podcast explores what really matters in nutrition and health with a sensitive and realistic approach. This podcast relies on the support of listeners like you and needs donations to keep this project running. To help support the podcast, please consider making a donation at pagesmathersrd.com slash podcast. If you find this episode interesting, engaging, or helpful in your life, please consider donating, sharing with friends and family, and leaving a review on iTunes. You can leave a review about this podcast straight from your podcast app, search Nutrition Matters Podcast, click reviews, and then write a review. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at Paige Smathers RD if you'd like to have a little more food for thought. Thank you for listening.
1: Hey guys, it's Paige. Thanks so much for joining me for another episode of Nutrition Matters Podcast. And you are really in for a treat today. Uh, For anyone who hasn't heard already, there is a new documentary out called What the Health. It's available on Netflix and it's caused quite the stir. Uh, there's a lot of people talking about it, a lot of people uh, with very strong opinions on one end of the spectrum or another. And I really wanted to sit down with some dietitian friends to discuss this for you so that you can have um, a fair, hopefully a fair and balanced perspective on some of the claims in the, in the film and some of the problems and also highlighting some of the, the good things about it as well. Um, So before we get into that I always like to make sure that my listeners are aware of some resources available to them. The first is an online group for the podcast called nutrition matters podcast study group that you're more than welcome to request to join if you'd like to be a part of the discussion there. It's a lot of fun, and we'd love to have you. Another resource to be aware of is my online course which is available at pagesmathersrd.com slash course. This is a completely online course that's 10 weeks long and you can take it at your own pace and it's all about really helping you make healing your relationship with food and your body happen in real life. Um, so often we read books or podcasts or blogs and things sound good and we kind of struggle to figure out how to apply this in real life. And so that's what this course is all about. It's helping you bridge the gap from dieting um, into more of an intuitive approach to food and your relationship with your body as well. And it's it's of helping you take those stepping stones towards that rather than it feeling like one giant leap of faith. And the best part about the course is that you have lifetime access to it. You can also um, have lifetime access to an online support group that I am in on a daily basis helping to answer questions and recording videos and really being there to support you along the way. And so if you're interested in checking out the course. Head on over to pagesmathersrd.com slash course just to get more information about it and to read what people are saying about the course and see if it might be a good, good fit for you. And as always, I would love, love, love it if you would take some time to leave a review for me on iTunes. So you can do that from your phone if you have an iPhone or if you can do it from your computer as well. And what you do is you just search for Nutrition Matters Podcast and you click on the logo and then you click on ratings and reviews and then leave a review. And I would love to hear from you. I read every single one of those and it's it's so fun to hear how the the show is affecting people and helping people and um, it also helps more people find the show when I get more reviews. So take a minute and do that if you haven't already. All right, so let me quickly introduce my two guests today. My my first guest is Kathleen Herdner, who is a registered dietitian, certified diabetes educator, and also a certified intuitive eating counselor in Yellowknife in Canada.
0: Did I say that right?
1: Yellowknife? She's going to tell you later. I might have said that wrong. And then I also have Vinci Choi, who is joining me from Canada as well in Alberta, and she is a dietitian as well who is in private practice a very active blogger and she has just some really really great perspectives on intuitive eating and reclaiming kind of your own power around food so I invited these two to come on the podcast with me to talk about this new film called what the health and we really dive into the science um, and kind of talk about what's what's true about what they say and maybe what what isn't as true And for anyone listening who's sort of on high alert, maybe you are a vegan and maybe you're listening and kind of wondering what's what's Paige and her guests going to say about veganism. Or if if you're on the other end of the spectrum and kind of wondering, you know, what's going to happen in this conversation, I want you to stay tuned and listen to from start to finish. I think we we make some really great points here. But I also want to just sort of set the stage and make sure that you understand that we're not here to bash veganism. We're not here to um, you know, make you feel like your life choices with your food are wrong. But what we're trying to do is just really have a fair and balanced approach to some of these claims that are made in the film. And basically, what's important to understand is that science really doesn't show that you have to be 100% plant-based in order to be a healthy person. Um, Yes, incorporating more plant-based foods can be a really good idea to do, no matter who you are. But whether or not you have to go gung-ho and 100% into veganism is a whole different question. Now, um, at the risk of sounding super corny here, this is an extremely meaty topic. Um, and we we go through as many of the facets of the documentary as we can, but we don't have time to talk about every single facet of every single claim in the, in the film. So just keep that in mind. We're doing our best. There, there's so much to say. And, um, and I hope that what we've done here is help you scratch the surface and really dive into what you need to do to take care of yourself in the best way possible, both on a mental and a physical level. So with that, let's listen to Kathleen, Vinci, and I talk about the film, What the Health. All right. Well, Kathleen and Vinci, welcome to Nutrition Matters podcast. I'm so glad both of you are here to discuss this with me
2: today. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, I'm excited to be here.
1: So Kathleen, do you want to start off and just take a minute to introduce yourself and talk about who you are and what you do, just so that the listeners can follow along with who's talking and and uh, your background?
3: Yeah, so I'm a registered dietitian, um, certified intuitive eating counselor, and a certified diabetes educator. Um, And I run a private practice uh, way up north in Yellowknife called Pulse Nutrition YK. Um, So I have kind of a focus on helping people improve um, the relationship with their food, relationship with food and their bodies. So that's kind of a little bit about me.
1: Um, And I have actually two Canadian dietitians with me today, which is fun. So Vinci, also from Canada, talk about, talk about you and what you do.
2: Sure. Um, so my name is Vinci Choi. I'm a dietitian based out of Calgary, Canada. And um, similar to Kathleen, I take a very compassionate and collaborative approach to working with my clients. So I definitely use health at every size and intuitive eating philosophy in my work with my clients to help them reclaim their relationship with food and with their bodies.
1: Awesome. So we're all coming from a really similar perspective and lens and um we you know, I I have a bias. I think that I think that if you spend enough time working with people who come to you with nutrition issues, I almost think you can't help but land in that space where you're like, "Wait a minute, maybe maybe our relationships with food are really important and maybe the way that we think about food and talk about food and our bodies is just as important as taking good care of them through proper nutrition i think i think it's just a natural place to land when you when you hear how much people struggle and how much suffering goes on in in the the food in our relationships with food and our bodies and we just it's easy to kind of say you know what what's really important here what really matters and um you know that's exactly why i do this podcast and that's exactly why we three wanted to have this conversation about this documentary. So with that, let's kind of introduce what we're talking about today. I'm, again, I'm so glad that both of you are willing to be here and, and help discuss this in a very fair and, and rounded out way. Um, so the other day, I'll just kind of introduce how I came across this. The other day, I had this day where there was maybe three people who approached me wondering my opinion, on this new documentary, "What the Health," and I'll admit, I internally sort of rolled my eyes and said, "Oh, okay. I don't, I don't want to watch that because <laughs> the last thing I want to do when I'm home in my pajamas with my feet up is watch a documentary about food. Like, I don't even care if it's like one that I completely love and agree with. I just, I like to take a break from food in my in my real life. Um, but I did it because." I started seeing all this buzz and then I reached out in, in a group that all three of us belong to. And I said, Hey, does anyone want to talk with me about this? So I, I watched it and it was really tough to get through. Um, especially those first, like maybe 15 minutes are just like, Whoa, (laughs) that's rough. But so that's, that's why I wanted to have this conversation. I feel like people are talking about it a bunch, um, documentaries, and I kind of use that loosely that term loosely are um, are popular with our current way we watch TV. We watch TV through through Netflix and Hulu and Amazon and some other some other ways we don't necessarily turn on the the, the TV and just watch whatever's on. We kind of we, we have more autonomy about what we pick and I think a lot of people are drawn to this information because we want we want good things we want to be healthy we want to be happy um, but as we're going to talk about today there are, there are some concerns that we have about the the film how did both of you come across the film and what what made you interested and willing to to talk about it here vinci do you want to go first
2: sure so i actually came about the film kind of different from most people did um i think like i am a blogger and i also used to be a food blogger so i am on a lot of um, I think, food and nutrition media lists. So the film was actually sent to me before it was released as a review copy. and um, And it was interesting because in the email, and I'm just pulling it up now and reading it, so it said the film... So what the health brings in medical doctors, researchers and consumer advocates to expose outrageous corruption and the impact of big business on our health and why the nonprofits we trust are staying silent about it. So I was going into the film expecting a behind the scenes look at like American healthcare in general. Um, And so I actually even invited some dietitians over to watch it together. I was like, Oh, I got this review copy of this movie. And I, and I think I just had a very like visceral negative reaction to when, when it just turned, when it turned out to be a film, a vegan A vegan film, Um, like not that I have anything against veganism, like just the way I said that wasn't probably the nicest way of putting it. But yeah, like I think I almost felt duped because it wasn't what I thought it would be about in in the way that it was advertised to me um, as a review copy.
1: So in other words, it sounds like you weren't expecting some very planned out like rigid this is the answer for every person this is the way you eat type of idea you were expecting like just more exposure of what it's really like um in in the healthcare field and just maybe learning some some things that we don't normally talk about and then when you realize that there's this really intense agenda um that that as a dietitian who works with people with disordered eating and eating disorders it's just kind of like ah why are we recommending That for every person, I I can see why that would be concerning. And again, not that veganism is necessarily, you know, one size fits all a terrible idea, right? Like, I think we want to be clear that at least me, I'll speak for myself. Like, I'm not against veganism. I have some concerns because I've seen people use it in ways that aren't healthy for them. Um, but, but veganism as a whole isn't, isn't an issue. And I, I think that that's an important thing that I want to say up front too, but Kathleen talk about how you came across the film.
3: So I was actually giving a workshop the first time I heard about it. And I was asked about this documentary, um, and I got asked about it five more times that week. So I actually, um, started watching it. And 15 minutes in, I paused it to ask if anyone else had watched it and written a review so that I didn't have to finish watching it. (laughs) Um, Like Vinci, I had a very kind of visceral reaction to it. Um, And so I've spoken to a lot of people who, since watching it, have become vegans as well, um, which has been very interesting um, because we can talk a little bit more about it later, but not necessarily the most balanced way of doing it or for, um, what I would consider the best reasons as well. Um, again, everyone is a little bit different in terms of why they choose it. And, and I'm as well, I'm not against veganism. I think it just needs to, um, have the, the reasoning behind it, um, needs to have the right reasons and as well, making sure that they're not eating for getting deficiencies, right? Because the way that I've been talking to people, they just cut out the animal products and don't replace it with anything which I think can be problematic as well. So um like you page I was asked about it a lot. So, so that's Kathleen, why I started to watch it.
1: Do you watch do
3: you watch The Bachelor or The Bachelorette? Um, do either of you guys watch it? I will admit that I have watched it. Okay. I don't watch I it I will regularly. admit
2: that
1: I kind of love it. It's like my one little show that's so dumb that I watch, but they always talk about like, are you here for the right reasons? And I, when you were like, okay, you can be vegan, but it has to be for the right reasons. It just kind of made me laugh. Um, anyway, (laughs) so, okay. So let's just quickly talk about one thing that really stood out to me in the film was they kind of bashed dietitians. Right. And they were like, All of them are just in bed with mcdonald's and um with the meat industry and with whatever right they just were like you can't trust a word that they say because they're all sponsored blah 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 okay so let's just take a minute and ease any concerns that listeners might have about about any uh sponsorships any of us have i i'm proud to say that i don't get paid or not proud i guess I don't know how to put it. I will just say outright, like nobody pays me to podcast. Um, I, I'm i not talking about this because I'm in bed with the dairy industry or the meat industry. Um, I'm talking about this because I really care about the people that I work with every single day. And I just want them to have happy, healthy lives. That's why I'm here. So why, why are
3: you here, Kathleen? And what are, your, what are any disclosures you need to make? <laughs> Um, so I guess, first of all, I don't um, have any disclosures that I need to make, so I don't have any um, sponsorships or a connection with um, the meat industry or the dairy industry. Um, and I'm here as well because I wanted to have the conversation about the documentary because there is such a buzz around it, and I think it's important for people um, to see the other side of the documentary, um, to have that kind of balanced approach instead of just taking it at face value and thinking that that documentary is therefore the be all end all. And that's how they need to eat.
1: Perfect. Vinci, what about you?
3: Yeah. So, um, I
2: currently don't have any sponsorships from like the meat or dairy industry, though. A few years ago I did some work with Alberta pork and, um, I also had approached a low local yogurt company that I had really liked about doing some promo work for them. Like just because I really liked their product and, um I love that they were a local company, but that never came to fruition but right now um I yeah don't have any disclosures.
1: Perfect. I just think that that's an important thing to mention, especially since the documentary talks about um about you know makes it kind of sound like people like us are just are just totally wrapped up and in en- enmeshed with those um those industries so Okay, good to know, good to get out of the way and good to talk about. So, okay, I've been sort of debating and wondering how to have this conversation. I I reached out to my um to my Facebook audience both in my Facebook group for my podcast and then also in just my uh, professional face- Facebook page. I just put out a word saying, "Hey, I'm going to be having this conversation about this documentary. What would you like to hear?" us talk about because, you know, we can talk about what's interesting to us, but I think really what we're trying to do is make sure that we're helping to clarify and also show another side for the people that we care about and the people that, um, that are our clients. And so the thing that came up most when I put the word out to those, to my, my following was let's just show another side to the science that, that he, uh, puts out there. And so I was wondering, is that okay with you guys if we just kind of hit on some of the main, excuse me, scientific themes and show another side and maybe talk about, you know, epidemiological studies and talk about the problem with the word, this food causes this condition. I mean, that that, that causal relationship is problematic. His, his discussion of diabetes for me was like, oh, if, I mean, you're a certified diabetes educator, Kathleen, that's awesome. I was trained as a diabetes educator in the hospital. I never got certified because I um, went to outpatient and didn't get my hours in, but I I feel very confident talking about diabetes as well. Um, so that's sort of what I wanna hit on. And then let's see if we have time to, to talk about some of the other things. But I think that, that that seems like it would be one of the most useful things for us to spend our time with today. Does that sound okay?
2: Yeah, definitely.
1: Okay, yeah. So I'm going to pull up my outline here, and um, you guys kind of gotten a little insight into my brain because I was just typing frantically as I was as I was watching it, taking notes, and some of them weren't very nice. So let's. I mean, we've we've all talked about how that those first like 15 minutes are just chock full of so many red flags, and um, the first one that really stood out to me is. Um, Okay. The, the WHO, World Health Organiz- Organization, came out, I think maybe a year or two ago with a report about carcinogens and processed meat and I actually did a podcast about that. So uh, there's a whole podcast discussing this, this thing that came out. Um, but the way that they word it in the documentary is that meat... Processed meat is a group one carcinogen. And then this is a direct quote, definitively linking cancer to processed meat. Okie dokie. What are the problems here? I have so many thoughts. Um, Who wants to take a stab at this? Uh, Vinci, do you want to go first and talk about kind of your, your visceral reaction to this linking cancer to
2: processed meat uh, comment in the film? Yeah, well, I mean, kind of like you said, Paige, like this was a report that came out a year or two ago. So it's still like kind of fresh in my memory. um, What happened when that report first came out? And yeah, like, I think in the news, there was controversy. And even the WHO came out and said, yes, like, what a group one carcinogen means is that there is a connection there, um, but it's, there's a difference in the dose, right? So um, smoking is also a type one carcinogen, but it definitely takes a lot less smoking compared to processed meat in order, in order for, you know, that link for cancer to happen. But like, I think even the WHO says like, you know the dose is different within the type 1 carcinogens Um, the type 1 carcinogen only kind of uh, defines the level of evidence but it doesn't necessarily define like the dosage that would you know cause cancer i guess
1: so you know what else is defined as a type 1 carcinogen sunshine so I think the I, this is something that I that just boils my blood when we um, when we forget that dose matters, right? Dose matters in life. Um, too much of a good thing is not good. Uh, not enough of something isn't good either, right? So so sunshine, you way up north there. I'm sure you guys have lots of vitamin D issues. We do even in Utah where I live, um, and so. It's we know that a little bit of sunshine is good for our bodies and really important for us. And I know that in the winter months here when it's so dark and so gray, I struggle with just like with just life. It's just harder. Right. So I know that sunshine is important for me personally. And I've experienced the the difference I feel when sunshine is around. But does that mean that I cut out all sunshine if I cut out all sunshine from my life or from my children's lives? You know we'd we'd be developing some really severe um, physical symptoms and issues right um so that's that's this problematic uh sort, sort of his approach to this journalistic documentary um it's it's pretty bad journalism to not sh- to not say this is a type one carcinogen and i know that that's scary and that's creating a reaction in you but let's talk about the other type one carcinogens and what does that really mean right so that's that was my reaction to that comment um in the film. What about you, Kathleen?
3: My reaction was really similar. Um, if you actually look at the report, since we're talking about dosages, um, it was 50 grams per day, every day of processed meats. So we could say, you know what, if you're eating processed meats every single day, maybe it might be a thing to look at backing off on it a little bit. Um, but I don't think, like you said, that it means that people need to cut it out. Does it mean that if you have a hot dog at a campfire that you're going to get cancer? No, absolutely not. Um, And I think it's important to think about the, the enjoyment of food, just like you kind of talked a little bit about the enjoyment of sunshine as well as the other factors that, you know, if that's something that you enjoy, does it mean that you need to cut it out? No, absolutely not.
1: Okay. Perfect comment, thank you for that. And another another issue with this word, definitively linking cancer to processed meat consumption, that is problematic because this, these, okay, this is a meta-analysis, right? And so what the World Health Organization did is it acquired around 800 studies and um, and it picked about seven to make this claim. Now, if you really dive in and look, there really wasn't any type of looking into the other aspects of of the processed meat. And I'm not here to like be an apologist for processed meat, you know, like, okay, I think it has a time and a place. I don't think it should be all the time in large quantities, but I don't think any food should be all the time in large quantities either, right? So please don't misunderstand me to be like all four processed meats, like, you know, saying we should all eat this at every meal every day. But what they didn't control for and didn't really necessarily look at necessarily look at is all of the other things that are added to processed meats in the in the processing of them, right? So we don't really know, like, is it due to uh, the processing of the meat? Is it due to the certain additives, certain ingredients, certain processing? Um, So so that's that's difficult in and of itself to just know hey what what about the processed meat is problematic second concern is this is an epidemiological study meaning they're relying on people to remember in retrospect what they typically eat so they're filling out food frequency questionnaires which us as dietitians we know Um, you know, unless someone has a very severe eating disorder, most people can't even remember what they ate yesterday, you know? So to ask someone, hey, what do you eat on average over the last year? Fill out, you know, weekly, daily, I mean, about processed meat or broccoli or squash or rice. It's just, it's problematic in and of itself to acquire this information. It's not necessarily super super accurate because it is very difficult for people to remember. I I honestly if you wanted me to tell you what I ate yesterday, it would be I'd have to sit and think about it for a little while. Um this this isn't our brains kind of naturally filter out what's important and what isn't and and for most people like what you ate yesterday is not very important for today. So so the the nature of these observational epidemiological studies is problematic to prove cause and effect. The only way you can prove that something causes something else is by doing a a way more rigorous type of study, which then would be deemed unethical to conduct in a nutrition setting because you would have to have a control group that doesn't have the intervention and then a group that does have the intervention and the ones that do have the intervention, you're testing for whether or not that causes cancer. How ethical is it to expose a group of people that you are that you think this intervention might cause cancer, right? That's not very ethical. So we can't do the gold standard of the double blind placebo controlled trial, randomized controlled trial, um, in these types of studies. So anytime you hear this food causes this chronic disease, you have to know that what they're referring to is an epidemiological study, which does not prove cause and effect. And so that's that's problematic in and of itself. And I wanted to say a word about that. What, what comments do you guys have about,
2: about that? Did I get that right? Yeah, definitely. Um, It's interesting, though, that like, I think even the WHO is like, you know, the type one, the carcinogens, like, I, I don't know if they use the word definitive, or I think they just use like very strong evidence. But yeah, I think people would interpret that as definitive. Um, So it it is a good reminder that even though, yeah, they do have epidemiological studies with thousands and thousands of people, um, it's still not like a hundred percent for sure. Like this is what is causing cancer type of link. It's a really good reminder. Well, and
1: another important thing is that it's one specific type of cancer. It's colorectal cancer, right? It's not, it's not cancer as a, as a category, right? So that, that also frustrated me that they didn't differentiate and say this one particular type. And um, you know, all cancer is devastating and tragic and so hard and I, I don't blame people for wanting to villainize foods and and people and environment. And I, I get that. We all want a reason to kind of make sense of really tragic things that happen in our lives to people that we love. Um. But but in this case, it's just, it's not fair to villainize an entire food group. And sometimes they even just say meat. They don't even say processed meat, right? Which they kind of get that wrong too. Um, go ahead, Kathleen. Did you want to say anything about
3: my little rant there? Um, I also, I... Thought that was interesting about the meat versus processed meat, because I don't know if you guys noticed this when they were talking about processed meat, they were even like canned fish and, and that sort of thing. And I, in my mind, I was thinking I wouldn't classify that as like a highly processed meat. So I thought that that was very bizarre and odd because I would think that it wouldn't get classified in that same category.
1: Yeah, I had the same reaction, and some of it I was kind of like questioning myself through the through the film. I was like, "Oh, I've never heard diabetes explained that way. I've never heard f- like canned salmon in being pr- uh, di- or called processed." So yeah, I I had some similar reactions where I was like, "Wait a minute, am I crazy?" That's kind of why I wanted to talk to other people about this, and then if I feel crazy, I can't imagine how someone watching without training would feel. You know. Uh, one other kind of thing I wanted to break down about um, about some of the science around the film, they do some of that, that beginning uh, montage of like children eating a hot dog that has a cigar inside of it. I mean, as a, as a parent, that was just, I mean, that was just eye roll central. <laughs> just so ridiculous. I'm sorry. I know I'm using some strong words here, but that just was so beyond unfair to the consumer and the viewer. Um, I really wanted to talk about that really quickly, if you guys don't mind. Uh, So in the film, he compares the dairy and the meat industry with the tobacco industry. And he cites this number of like an 18% risk of developing cancer. I could have this wrong, um, but there's something he uses this word, this, this figure of 18% and when you really look at the data and you look at what he's talking about it's clear that he has a misunderstanding of uh you know basic statistics where there's a difference between relative risk versus absolute risk right so the number 18% that he cites is actually it's actually relative risk not absolute risk so to to get an idea of how absurd it is to compare um meat to smoking, or in our case, we've seen some of those uh, memes going around with like eggs to smoking, right? One egg per day is equivalent to like a pack of cigarettes or something. That's what I'm seeing online. Um, the the relative risk for smoking is 2,300%. And the relative risk for processed meat is 18%, right? So it's not apples to apples that he's comparing there. So this the 2,300% relative risk, in other words, what that means is it's people who smoke have a 23 times 23 time greater chance of getting cancer than those that don't smoke, okay? So relative risk is a ratio that's derived from comparing risk, from comparing a group with a control group, right? So this is just a point I really wanted to make. The relative risk in the case of processed meat if you have 100 people who ate meat and then 100 who didn't, 2.95 people out of that 100 who ate meat would get colorectal cancer, whereas only 2.5 people in the control group that didn't eat meat would get colorectal cancer, right? So that's the 18% increase that we're talking about. So out of 100 people who eat meat, 2.95 will get colorectal cancer. 100 people who don't eat meat, 2.5 people will get colorectal cancer. So that's that relative risk of 18%. That is not absolute risk. So the absolute risk would actually be less than half a percent. It's 0.45%. So I just wanted to break that down and talk about that. Um, Some of my frustrations watching the film, and I'm not a statistician, right? Like I'm not, I'm not, but I am trained in reading uh, studies and interpreting them and using them in a practical way to help my clients. And so that's where I feel like I have have skills in this area is to sort of say, okay, here's what this particular research study is showing. Here's how you can use that for your for your life. And I and I just get very frustrated when that is um, is used in really unethical ways. To me, that was a very unethical misinterpretation and misuse of science and it's i struggle with um with the medical professionals who who back that up um any any thoughts about what i just said i hate to talk too much i want to hear from you both too
2: um i'll start so i totally agree with you like and there're definitely other examples in the film too that i'm just like this is ridiculous i think there's one point where he gives a statistic about meet increasing the risk of I don't know something else like maybe diabetes by like 50 something percent and then in the graphic it's literally like a single red bar just like shoots up on the screen and that's supposed to represent like 53 percent I mean like if it's supposed to be a chart there's no axis there's nothing it's comparing it to it's literally just like a red rectangle like shooting up on your screen to represent 53 percent or other like graphics like that too that were just like not to scale and making things look big and scary.
1: Totally. I saw that too. (laughs) And I had the same thought, like, wait a minute, if we're going to be scientific here, let's put some numbers on the X and the Y axis. Let's talk about what we're looking at. Let's be accurate. Um, You know, it's just frustrating when you throw out science as a way to um, back up your, your claim, but then you kind of you know, take it away when it's convenient too. And you just kind of use like fear-mongering tactics when, when, when science can't back it up. Does that make sense? Um, Kathleen, what were your reactions to anything that we've said in this last little bit?
3: I agree with both of you. What it, it just seemed like pseudoscience to me when you say that it's science and then you just manipulate it in a way to suit your purposes that's what the majority of the statistics and facts that were thrown out in this movie were. Um, And I also wanted to say a little word about the experts. Um, So at the beginning when he was um, interviewing experts, um, there was a Dr. Goldhammer, I think his name was that was interviewed and I was curious who he was and what his credentials were. Um, And he's actually a chiropractor at a clinic that promotes water cleansing. So, in my mind, when what is I water see, cleansing?
1: I don't even know what that is. Do
3: you know where all you consume is water for I think it was it was a long period of time oh, like where there's a huge yeah. amount of nutritional risk. Um, <laughs> so if you're interviewing someone who is part of their practice is to just give people water and consider it a cleanse, which, you know, your livers and your, your liver and your kidneys are perfectly capable of cleansing your body. Um, that makes me really, really question, um, you know, what this person is saying. And so that was, I think he was the first expert I looked up and then I just kind of gave up because I no longer had a lot of um, I, respect really for um, the so-called experts that were interviewed in the film.
1: One one other one was the um Neil Barnard, I don't know if I'm saying that right. He was the diabetes expert, and I'm using quotes, um, that he interviewed. And when you look up his his certifications and credentials, um he's boards board certified in psychiatry. So it's fascinating that someone who's board certified in psychiatry is um is the is the diabetes expert, I mean, you'd you'd really think, okay, someone board certified in endocrinology or nephrology or internal medicine. Um, So that that to me was just a little interesting. Um, One other thing that I think is important to talk about, and this is not fair, but it's just something to think about, right? We don't need to be judgy, but whenever I hear Um, well, athletes do it, so it must be fine. Or like the doc, this doctor is, uh, proclaiming that this is the way to go. So it must be fine. I just think that we need to take a step back and remember that people have issues (laughs) like we all do, you know, and just because you're an athlete doesn't mean that you have life figured out. And just because you're a doctor doesn't mean you have life figured out. And just because you're a dietitian doesn't mean you have life figured out either. But, um, Lots of people in those worlds, in in medicine, in um, sports and and athletics, have issues about food. I'm sorry, they just do. Like these are these are driven people. These are Type A. These are perfectionist tending uh, leaning people. And so it's just I, again, we don't want to be judgy and think everyone has issues, but maybe just allow that to kind of enter your mind as you are kind of hearing their opinions and their thoughts and their proclamations to just kind of say you know i never know where their biases lie and how they approach life and and that was actually one of the big things that stood out to me in the beginning of the film was the um the narrator guy i think his name is kip is that right kip uh kip talks about how he has you know cancer that runs in his family and diabetes and heart disease and he goes on and on about his family history and in my personal experience with my clients, whenever someone comes in the door with that type of like weight on their shoulders about what they're dealing with mentally about their health, that can often really affect how they view food. You know, when you're so nervous about developing these chronic diseases, that will inform your approach to food. And so, you know, we got an insight into that with Kip, but we don't really know what the other... um people he interviewed we don't know their story and we don't know what they've been through and why they've landed where they have but I would guess that some of them um have some some things to work through in in that aspect does that is that fair did I say that in a gentle enough way what do you
2: guys think like I think so like I think yeah like we don't get the whole story in the documentary like this and I think even the way that the documentary is, has been presented, it's clear. We're not getting the full story on anything. I, I found like, I mean, we were just talking about the science and how the science was manipulated. Like when I watched the documentary, I think one of the things that upset me about it was like nothing, it almost felt like nothing about it was a hundred percent accurate, right? It was always like missing something or embellishing something. So yeah, like I wouldn't be surprised either if it was not telling us something about, you know, what is going on with these professionals that were interviewed who feel like so good on the vegan diet or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm.
1: Kathleen, can you tell us your reaction as a certified diabetes educator to the conversation around diabetes? I would love to hear your reaction to that.
3: So, I. I had one of those moments where I was like, am I crazy? Because I don't remember ever hearing anything about this. Um, in our newest um, diabetes guidelines in Canada, Wait, really a section... quick. Can
1: you just talk mm-hmm. about what they said so that if someone hasn't seen it, so that they know mm. why you were
3: confused? Just really quick. Sorry. It was – That's okay. I can't remember the exacts, but it was something around like meat and milk okay, and I can causing explain a higher it. rate of
1: diabetes. Do you want me to explain? Yes, so please. This is that what I lovely. took from it. I could have it wrong. I could be paraphrasing wrong, but basically this is this is like a theory or a hypothesis that diabetes is caused from free fatty acids in the blood, um, meaning it's not attached to a glycerol. Um, and that that these fat these fats in your blood are like going on top of the insulin receptor of your cell and Basically, like covering it up to not allow insulin to unlock that cell to let glucose in, so it's it's like I think they said like it's gunking up the cells or it's like clogging them up um so it so basically what it comes down to is not only are we villainizing like meat and protein, I mean not protein, but just meat, right, but now we're also villainizing fat. Which frustrates me so bad because there's only three macronutrients, right? We can only work with protein, fat, and carbohydrate. That's how we get our calories. So when they're saying, "Oh, fat is so bad," (laughs) and most of the protein category is so bad too, it's just it's frustrating that it's like here we are left with like food that's not very satisfying. Anyway, I'm getting on a tangent, but that's basically the um, the theory that he is. Proposing at least, I think it's a theory. I don't think it's something that's like canonized, for lack of a better word, in um, in textbooks and things like that.
3: Thank you for that reminder, Paige. Because I'll be totally honest, I watched it a few weeks ago, and I I thought about watching it again, and I couldn't bring myself to do it. I don't blame um, you. To, you have better yeah, things I to do. Yeah, was the same way.
2: Like I was like, okay, I'm gonna watch it twice for this podcast, and then I I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> that is okay, you
1: guys. I would never want you to watch it more than more than once. I hardly could get through the first time.
3: Mm-hmm, Sorry for interrupting. But, Yeah, no, that's okay. I mean, yeah, from a diabetes perspective, have I ever seen that theory before? No. And I worked in a diabetes specialty clinic. And when I studied for my certified diabetes educator exam, there was a whole lot of studying and reviewing the evidence. And not once did I see that. Um, And the other thing that comes up for me, if we're talking about fat in the blood, gunking things up, to me, that's, Um, a form of fat in the blood called triglycerides. And triglycerides are increased by not fat in the diet as much as things like sugar and alcohol. So how are you making that discussion saying that you're gunking up the blood with fat when in fact that particular form of fat in the blood is most played upon by your sugar and things like alcohol? So that really threw me for a loop and I I had an initial moment of like, well, I've obviously missed something because I don't remember ever learning that. But I think it was, I don't think there's a lot to back it up to be totally honest.
1: Right. No. And you know, this is, this is fascinating because not that I'm a proponent of ketogenic diets, but, but they have been studied, um, in terms of what, what happens in your body and a a high fat ketogenic diet, with this theory you'd think would, um, would cause higher triglyceride levels, but it's actually associated with a lower triglyceride level. Um, which makes sense because of what you're talking about, right? Like a really high sugar, high alcohol, um, diet can lead to higher elevated triglyceride levels. And so, yeah, this is just, when, when I saw that I had a moment of like, whoa, is this new, like since I've been in school and I just missed this or what happened? And yeah, I, I think the best way to categorize it is it's just maybe just like a, a theory or a hypothesis that sort of confirms a bias. Um, and we all have them, right? Like I'm not trying to act like I have zero biases. I, I know that I do and I try to work work through that, but but yeah, we all do. And And that was one of the arguments in the film was well all of these organizations are um getting paid to say these things or uh, they're in bed with these organizations or they are funding research that confirms their conclusions already and I think that that is that is something that that people in the camp of the same of you know the the vegan perspective they're guilty of that too you know there there's there's always cherry picking of data to confirm your bias. And there's always funding research that you think will, will confirm your already preconceived conclusion. And that's not good science. Like, let's just say that outright. Like that's not, that's not good science, no matter who's doing it. Um, But I don't think that, that there's one group of people like the vegans who or the vegan researchers that just don't magically don't do that. I think that, that we are all sort of needing to check that bias. Um, okay, so the, the the conversation about diabetes is problematic. I'll, I'll just also say development of diabetes is very complicated, you know? It's it's not as simple as saying, oh, there's fat in the blood, boom, done. I mean, this this is the same with any disease process. We have to just take a step back and just look at it from a bigger picture and say, gosh, there's a lot going on here. There's genetics, there's lifestyle, there's the way we eat, there's our mental health, there's our stress levels, there's our our work and our sleep and our self-care. Um, so that's another frustration when, when, when people try to sort of pick out and say, oh, well, this is the one reason. It's never one reason. It's never simple. Any comments about that,
3: you guys? I agree 100% with you. And I think... That's why it gets so confusing for consumers is because everyone tries to pick out one factor because they want to make it simple and they want to prove their point of like, this is the thing that's going to, you know, save your health. It might be, you know, eliminating animal products or, um, eliminating carbohydrates or whatever it is. And then they end up conflicting because it's not just one thing. And that's what ends up making people feel like it's so confusing. So I give up. What's the point? And I think that's just kind of the overarching theme with all of these sorts of documentaries with biases. And that's what I find so frustrating about watching them is exactly as you said, there's so many factors and trying to pinpoint it down to one means that you're missing everything else.
1: That's such a great comment.
3: Totally agree. Vinci,
1: what do you think?
2: Yeah, and I completely agree as well um, that, yeah, like it is so complicating and it's And I don't know if it's necessarily making it confusing for people because I almost think like that's what people are looking for is they're like, yeah, just tell me the answer or give me the answer. And I almost think like that's why people like this documentary so much or they like, you know, similar documentaries so much is because it gives them the answer when... Um, you know, as healthcare professionals, we know it's more complicated than that. And we try to express that to people and people like, well, I don't like to hear that it's complicating, or I don't like to hear that I don't have control over, you know, like my genetics or my body size or whatever. And so they go to the people or the things that tell them, yeah, you can fix yourself or this is the answer. Because it Yeah, because I think that is actually what people are looking for even though it's not true if that makes any sense
0: Mm -hmm.
2: yeah I think that is like
1: that is like human beings 101 right where this world is so complicated and so messy and so sad and confusing and disappointing and beautiful and everything right but we we go through this really messy world and just try to simplify it and say good bad right wrong should shouldn't and you know, that's just, it's just not true. You know, and the older you get, the more you realize like, wow, there maybe aren't easy answers. Um, I actually heard this quote that kind of cracked me up. Let's see if I can find it here. Uh, The whole problem with the world today is that foods and fanatics are always so certain of themselves and wiser people are so full of doubts. (laughs) Um, I think it's, I think it's really true. It's like, the more I learned about nutrition, the more I realized, oh, there's way more questions than there are answers. Um, Oh, okay. I need to be very like cautious about making any sweeping claim about this causing that. Um, I need to take a step back and really like, you know, be, be humble about, about my claims and be humble about what I think I know. Um And then I think that's the natural place you land when you do this work, but then when you see these people untrained who are just like, boom, here's the answer, it's just like, whoa, no, it's, you know, no, it's not here. Think of all the other complexities. Um, Okay, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about, so I think we've done an okay job talking about some of the science. I know it's, it, we, we could probably spend the whole time trying to debunk some of the science and I think that that's important, but it's not everything. Let's talk a little bit about um, when you were watching this, I, I think as dietitians, we usually view things sort of through our client's eyes a lot of times, at least I know I do. Uh, what What concerns did you have from that perspective um, of just someone that you work with and you care about and you really, really want to see um, be happy and healthy and successful in life, what 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 did that bring up for you? Um, Vinci, do you want to go
2: first with that? Sure. Um, you know, it, it's funny because when I watched it, like kind of like I said, nothing of it felt true and like even just some of the ways that he interacted with like even the journalism quote unquote was so bad because he would you know call a call center and call like the American Cancer Association and be like why are there recipes with beef on their on your website and it's a guy at a call center so obviously he's like I don't know like and then and then Kip would just voice over and be like obviously, the American Cancer Association can't answer my questions. And it's like, well, because you just called the call. Yeah, no, that's kind of a funny point. Yeah, you weren't talking to like, a medical doctor,
0: you were talking to,
2: whoever is helping to answer the phones there yeah yeah or i know like a lot of people are like well like the head of the ADA um or the American Diabetes Association could have done a better job and but you know he was ambushed as well i'm sure like he only got the interview by saying you know like oh i'm doing this documentary and i have questions about your organization like i'm sure he got the interview by being very vague and then he shows up and bombards him with nutrition questions and like and I think he is like a doctor or something I'm not 100% sure when he was just like oh I'm not here to answer your nutrition questions and again Kip is like yeah obviously like they're hiding something from us and it's like well no because like even when you think of you know, as dietitians, I know we do some media interviews, like we go in and we have like talking points or even for this podcast, you know, we had some talking points that we discussed beforehand, you don't go in blind. And so um, yeah, like he was just out to make people look bad. And I think like what sort of upsets me about like how it's influencing so many people is like, I, I just feel like even for a vegan documentary, like none of the science is accurate. Like the way he interviews people is like, you can see on the screen that it's unethical it. And so I'm just like, how is this still influencing people to, you know, be like, Oh, yeah, like, I really need to, you know, become a vegan in order to be healthy. Like if that blows my mind, because to me, I'm just like, this is a really bad
3: documentary.
1: What are your thoughts, Kathleen?
3: I think that they do a really good job of preying on your emotional fears. Like that's what it comes down to. Um, Because I had the opposite of Vinci where I had spoken to people. I can name at least five people in my head who went vegan because they watched this documentary. So, you know, as dietitians, we look at it from a very um, scientific base of like, when i was watching the head of the american diabetes association i was thinking like i'm a dietitian and i don't like i wouldn't want to answer this guy's questions you know um so also i think we need to keep in mind that editing is really big and we have no idea what else happened in that interview it's like watching reality television um and i think that's really important as we have no idea what else was said before they took those points um and yeah i just i feel like it's just blatant fear mongering. And I, I spoke to this woman in my office after she was the first person who asked me about the documentary and she was pregnant and she was, I'm terrified. Like I, there's the paleo staff saying that I shouldn't be eating meat. And then there's this saying that I shouldn't be eating, you know, or sorry, paleo saying I shouldn't be eating carbs. And this saying, I should be eating meat and dairy. And like, I don't even know what to do anymore. Like, what's the point? And it's, it just breaks my heart to see the fact that this fear mongering is making people question everything. And I think that's kind of the the perspective that I saw it from It's just like, it, it preys on your fear so well that even though the science is not good, of course, people are going to react that way because that's what he's good at is, that emotional piece, not the science piece,
1: totally great comments um so I think it was the the a d a the American Diabetes Association dude was he a doctor? I don't remember exactly what his uh credentials are, but that's where there was like a lot of sort of confrontation and and for those of you who haven't seen it, you know, don't worry about watching it, but basically what happens is the the kip dude tries to say. You know, why do you have these things on your website? Why don't you want to find a cure? Or basically accusing him of not wanting to find a cure for diabetes. And then he says, "What is the what is the diet for diabetes? What should people be eating?" And the guy just says, "Look, I'm not going to talk about that." And and then it then it sort of spirals out of control and they kind of fight back and forth and he gets up out of his chair and leaves and and then Kip says, wow, I guess they really just don't want to find a cure or prevention for diabetes, you know, and it's just sort of like, oh, it's, yeah, it's because they're just evil people. And that part really got to me because I can see where the guy is coming from. I can, I I have a perspective on food and nutrition that it is up there with like religion and politics of things to just not discuss with family, you know, like it it brings up some extremely strong emotions in people. And this documentary is a perfect example of that. Um, So if we imagine that, let's just say um, uh, Kip was Christian and um, the interviewee, ADA guy was uh, an atheist. And let's say that the interview starts off with like, tell me about atheism. How do you like that? How are you how are you doing with that? How are you moral? you know whatever asking some just questions that are that are easy And then and then he starts saying, well, like, do you just like want to die and like never have salvation and like kind of like what if he starts to try to convince him that Christianity is the one and only way? But this ADA guy is convinced that atheism is just the way he wants. That's the way he feels good about living life. I I see that interaction that those two had as more of like a religious back and forth and less less of a oh, the ADA representative just doesn't want to find a cure. I think he's just like, you know what? I'm not engaging in this dogmatic religious sort of pursuit with you because I don't think we're ever going to agree. And I also felt for the ADA guy because what he's trying to say is there's no one right way to eat, you know? there's And I, I refuse to answer your question because – there is no answer. There is no clear answer. It's very complicated. It's very complex. And maybe, you know, he and his organiza- organization is not in charge of medical nutrition therapy. And maybe he doesn't know the proper way to explain the complexities and nuances of an approach to uh, diabetes um, way of eating, whether that's prevention or whether that's management. And maybe he just didn't want to get into it because he felt like I'm not the right person to talk to about this. This is complicated. This is nuanced. And so I just, I just wanted to point out there, like, I think that they were having more of like a religious back and forth um, debate, less of a factual back and forth debate. And they just plain old don't agree on their, on their approach to life and their, their pursuit of health. And, you know, that's okay. Okay. But to blame the ADA guy, I feel bad that I'm calling him that. I should know his name, but what I don't. Um, to blame him and say, oh, he just doesn't care about a cure or a prevention, I thought was extremely unfair um, unfair to him. And you're right, I forget which one of you mentioned this, but who knows if he was even prepared for which what questions were going to come at him. And He really seemed like he thought they were going to have this nice conversation about atheism, uh, or Christianity but then it turned into this like no I need to convert you or I'm mad at you or whatever and it I think that he reacted like nope we're not we're not going there that was my thoughts what do you guys think am I crazy with that
2: analogy yeah and I think like I'm seeing Kathleen and I were both like nodding the whole time that you were <laughs> saying that you were talking so yeah you're absolutely right
3: mm-hmm.
1: I just felt for that yeah. poor
3: guy.
2: what are we gonna say Kathleen
3: I I agree as well. I I really don't blame the, I, yeah, I feel bad calling him the ADA guy um, for <laughs> not saying like this is the one way to eat because like we talked about, it's so much more complicated than that. So of course he's going to say I'm not going to have this conversation with you when you're clearly have an agenda and I'm not going to bend to that agenda.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad we hit on that because that was one of those really emotional parts. And the conclusion that Kip draws is, well, clearly the people at the top want us to say sick,
2: you know, and it's just like, "Mm." I think you do a really good impression of him. Oh, thanks.
1: Yeah. I should, (laughs) I should get into that line of work. I'd be good. I'd be good at the opposite type of documentary. No, I'm just kidding. I wouldn't. Okay. So, um, okay. I just wanted to take a minute to talk about, um, I think take home messages would be a good place to go. Um, Mm -hmm. what do you, what do you wish people knew about this? What do you wish people took away from this? What do you want people who are feeling kind of on the fence about, okay, do I need to be vegan to be healthy? What do you, wish people knew? And what do you wish people took away from it if they did watch it? Or or if they're just listening to this conversation, what do you hope they take away from the conversation?
3: Kathleen, do you want to go first? Yeah. Um, for the takeaways for the film, I think, first of all, all the things we spoke about in that the science is not as concrete as they said. Um, and I will take a step back, though. Um, and I do think that as a whole in North America, maybe we do eat more animal products than is necessary or good for our health. And I think it's a fair and valid point to say, you know what, maybe, maybe we don't need to eat a 16 ounce steak every night at dinner and maybe you know, adding in some beans and nuts and, and that sort of thing is important. And I, I will say I appreciated that it didn't, the movie didn't fear monger about sugar and carbohydrates That's one nice thing that I have to say about it, as I appreciated that. Um, But I think the take home is that if you were concerned about this film, keep in mind that the science is not as solid as they think. And if you're concerned, then maybe start adding in some beans and a meatless Monday or something. But it doesn't mean that you need to be vegan to be healthy because you can definitely be healthy while consuming animal products.
1: Great thoughts, I love that, Minty. What about you? What do you want people to take away?
2: <sighs> um, I like did not enjoy this film at all, so in my like perfect world, like no one would watch this movie because I know some people are saying that, oh well, it's a good thing that it's like promoting a more plant based diet, or um I have other people saying too, it's getting people, yeah, to question maybe the politics behind. our dietary recommendations, like, um, you know, in Canada right now, there's a lot of buzz around, we have a new food guide that might be coming out that might be placing less emphasis on animal-based proteins. And people are kind of seeing that as like, oh, like maybe that does mean that, you know, we're having less influence from like the meat and dairy industries. Um, Or like, yeah, that it's just a good thing for starting a discussion. But to me, like, I think at the end of the day, there are better non-fear-based ways to present this information and really like if people are choosing a vegan diet based on fear like that's not the relationship with food that we want people to have so um and you know I would even argue like maybe um if you're not going vegan, like the maybe the filmmakers don't think that they've won yet, right? Like that they, they actually want people to be 100% plant-based. So even if you're like, oh, after watching this film, like I want to do a Meatless Monday or whatever, like I almost think that the filmmakers would hear that and feel like I don't think my job is done. Like I need to like put more fear into people into like how bad like any meat or any animal product is. Um, and like, that's like not a good thing. Cause like going back to, you know, this idea of like trying to scare people into changing their eating, that's exactly what, you know, this whole like war on obesity thing or the, or fat shaming or weight stigma is all about. Like they're trying to scare people into losing weight or, or scare people who are heavier into like, uh, you know, they're assuming that they're not caring about their health. But we know that it doesn't work. We know that, you know, fat shaming and weight stigma has not caused like a mass weight loss or anything like that. Or um, so why are we using those same fear tactics to try to change people's eating habits when we know that it doesn't work? So I don't know, I kind of feel bad because I feel like I have nothing good to say about this film. But Yeah, like, I just feel like there are good messages that they're trying to put out, but there are way better ways of doing it that don't involve, you know, bad science and bad journalism. Yeah, I think it would be easier to take
1: little nuggets of truth from it if it were more balanced, Vinci. So, like, I feel like if they were a little more fair and balanced in their approach to like, okay, here's how we see it, but here's how other people see it. I feel like the the viewer would be able to say, oh, OK, so, yeah, there are people who are really healthy and happy, living great lives who, you know, take little nuggets from this, but don't really do it all. And there's a there's a different sort of blueprint for how to how to incorporate some ideas, but not let it rule your life or whatever. I think that it would be easier to kind of walk away and say, OK, yeah, like I'll take some from that and and not from the other. But the the approach that they take is very much like gung-ho, black or white, all or nothing, you're in or you're out, you're in and you're healthy or you're out and you're just a lost cause to this world, basically. And so I think that that's that to me, when I hear you talking about how you have nothing good to say about it, that that's sort of where my head goes is like, I bet it's because it was so all or nothing. And it was very hard to be like, oh, OK, I like that little truth. I'm going to take that. Um they just didn't really set the view up viewer up to be able to do that, but i think I think we as dietitians who who care about health and well being um yeah, like maybe there is just some permission that people need to have to like take take some things from it if they want, i guess or not, and that's fine too um My overall thoughts, and I'd love to hear your, your opinions and back and forth sort of discussion about this is when I, when I take a giant step back from this film and I just think about my clients and people in my life who I love, um, and just myself too, like I just flat out refuse to live my life in fear. Like I just, I don't want to make decisions for myself or my family because I'm afraid. And you know what? There are reasons. There are infinite reasons to be afraid in this world. There really are. I I it we could think about never driving a car because you might get in a car accident. And there you know, if you look at the statistics of that, it's it's a little alarming too. And I guess where I'm going with this is in the realm of food, there is a school of thought to support any fear you want to have about food. You can literally find any any re uh, at least one reason to be deathly afraid of any food. Um, and so, I mean, that's just something where I come down on it. It's just like whoa. Like I've worked with people who are afraid to put any food into their mouth because they've heard it all and they care about nutrition, they care about their health, and it starts with very innocent pure motives, but they get to the point where it's literally like, I'm afraid of every single food. And then what ends up happening is like you said, Vinci, like they either just give up and say, well, s- screw it. I'm just going to eat whatever I want and not think about health. Cause it's too confusing. Or they become more and more orthorexic and more and more, you know, okay, I have three foods I can eat. Well, guess what guys, that's not healthy. You know, if you're pursuing health and you're only eating four foods, like that's not good. Um, So I, I like to kind of think of myself and my clients as our own gurus about our own bodies. And we need to have that autonomy and that power to make decisions about our bodies that feel good to us. And it's okay. If that's veganism, it's okay. If that's a little more plant-based than you're doing now, it's okay. If that's, somewhere in the spectrum. I mean, whatever it is, and it could look different from your spouse. It could look different from your best friend and all of that's okay. And so I really think we lose sight when we when we give our power away and we say, okay, I watched this documentary. It told me what's right and wrong and what's good and bad. And I'm gonna follow that because I don't trust myself. If I had a take home message for a viewer, it would be, that's such a lie. You should trust yourself. You are so wise. You have everything you need in your body to make decisions about it. If you learn to pay attention and to to tap into that wisdom, um, that's what I would want people to know. And that's where I really think they didn't do any type of work in that arena. They didn't didn't even touch on what a vegan diet can do to someone. What a really restrictive – I mean, for some people – they claim that they can do it. And I don't, I say the word claim because I don't have experience with it. I'm someone who would be starving all the time. I just would. I just, I just would. Um, They claim that they can do it and be fine. But then there's others who have tried veganism and that pendulum just swings right over into binging. And they never talk about that potential consequence of if I go on a really restrictive diet with the hopes of curing, "Quote unquote, my chronic condition, and that doesn't work, or it gets too hard, or I go to a birthday party and just let loose, or whatever happens, and then you find yourself secretly binging in the pantry when your family's not looking, um, and you're doing that every day, and your 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 health is suffering as a result. They don't talk about that, and not everyone can handle such a restrictive diet, and so that's something that I really think that they missed out on. What do you guys think? Do you? I mean. I'm sure that you've seen that
3: in your, your work as well. I think that was so well said, Paige. Um, I really agree in that you, you can't just rely on exclusively outside sources. And I mean, I think we all have a very similar approach in that we do encourage clients to pay attention to what feels good in your body. So if you find that when you eat meat or dairy, you don't feel well, and if for that reason you choose to consume less of them, great. But saying, you know, I'm going to do this really restrictive diet, even though I feel awful because I'm terrified. Exactly. As you said, it can definitely um, lead down that road of very disordered eating and a very unhealthy relationship with food. And I think that's a major problem.
2: Mm -hmm. And, And I completely agree that, yeah, like one thing that doesn't get talked about enough not just in the film, but I think even in our healthcare in general is this idea of trust and listening to our own bodies. Um, because I think it's all, this is almost something that we learn from, you know, as kids to, you know, listen to our parents and listen to our teachers, which like, yeah, we, we do have to as kids, obviously, but, you know, as, but we never get to that place where we are we we get we get permission um, to listen to trust ourselves, and so yeah, people feel like they have to turn to, you know, ideally like dietitians or people who practice with an evidence base, but when that's not something that feels accessible to people, they turn to documentaries or blog posts or articles on the internet or whatever it might be. And yeah, and that's where we do run into issues because we do get these conflicting messages and people get confused and um, it, and it tells people to kind of trust themselves less and less. So I think, yeah, I totally agree. Um, Just kind of turning back and, And learning to trust yourself, that's kind of the big thing that I think we as dietitians and even other healthcare practitioners need to promote more and, you know, view these messages that we're getting from documentaries like What the Health with a critical eye or at least to be able to say, how is this going to look for me or how would this fit into my life?
1: Beautiful. Thank you so much for that. And you know what, this would be a really great place to stop because we just wrapped it up all nicely, but I'm not that organized. And I just had a really, I think, important thought that I want to hear your responses on. And then I think we'll wrap up. So let's talk about quickly, what are the benefits of meat and dairy consumption? Like, they didn't even go there. What, what what are the benefits? And you don't need to get scientific here. I'm just talking like in your own life, like what do you, what do you get out of eating meat and dairy? Vinci, do you want to go first?
2: Sure. Um, what I get out of eating meat and dairy. So I think like for for someone who like feels okay eating meat and dairy like it is a good source of nutrients so um, oftentimes people think of meat and dairy as kind of the protein rich groups and so it is like a convenient source of protein and if we talk about like density to like meat and dairy it tends to have a higher density of protein than some of the other plant-based proteins that are out there um they like and they're also a good source of other nutrients so if we talk about meat it's, good, it's often a good source of iron um phosphorus or not yeah not phosphorus but that's dairy but like with and with milk yeah it's a good source of calcium and phosphorus and um so lots of other like vitamins and minerals or your animal products are are our only source of vitamin B12. So if you are vegan, like you have to get that through supplementation. Um, But you know, that's kind of the sciencey stuff. Like otherwise, like meat and dairy are delicious. (laughs) Like, like, I like, you know, cheese and yogurt and meat and stuff. And I think Sometimes what can be difficult with a very restrictive diet is it's the social aspect. Like um, live it, being from Alberta, like kind of this province in um, Canada, we are known for being beef producers. And so, um, and so it is like big, I guess, in our local culture to be like eating meat or there's a huge like ranching sort of culture in the more rural areas. Um, And so it's it's almost like a big part of like our identity (laughs) as Albertans, like not to say that there aren't like vegan people who live in Calgary or Alberta and not to say that there aren't that you can't socialize over plant based foods. And I think, you know, yeah, being creative with plants is really cool. But um, there are, you know, I think benefits to having a varied diet that includes all foods as well.
1: That's a great thought. I love it. Kathleen, tell, tell us about like what you think about that idea.
3: I agree 100% with Vinci. I mean, um, yes, there are a lot of like convenient, We you covered the nutrition stuff pretty well um, for the meat and dairy. So I won't um, repeat that. But yeah, it can be delicious. Like I love I'm a dietitian and I love cheese and I love ice cream and all those things that that you know, maybe some people will be afraid of after watching this movie. Um, And I think it's important sometimes for people to hear that, that dieticians eat a variety of foods. We're not just eating, you know, salads and kale all day long. Um, Because that enjoyment piece is important. Like I like being able to go out for ice cream with friends and like those sorts of aspects that can be really, really isolating for people, Um, especially you know Where I live, I think we have one restaurant that serves vegan food, so you're you pretty much restricted. To that's the only place you can ever eat out if that's the way that you choose to eat. It's a fabulous restaurant. It's Ethiopian, but um, you can edit that out after. Um, but it can be very socially restricting. If your friends are going out for wings and that's something you enjoy, now all of a sudden you don't have that option what are you going to do? Right? Like there is that big social aspect of food that gets ignored really frequently along with the enjoyment piece.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking too. I was thinking about how, you know, every Sunday my family and I, unless we have other plans, we make homemade pizza and we, it's like this wonderful little process. We make the sauce, we make, or we buy the mozzarella cheese, we grow our basil in our window least right now I used to have a garden, but I just moved and, um, and it's just such a nice little tradition. And like, if I just, I mean, I wouldn't be able to eat the sauce because it has butter in it. I wouldn't be able to eat the cheese. So what would I do? Like eat bread with like, with basil on it? I mean, like, what is that for me? Like, that's so, that's so boring. And, um, I also, I really like about food. I value its ability to connect me to people. I value um, its satisfying nature. I value nourishment and I value balance. I mean, I have all these values around food that, that help me make decisions about it. And, um, and for me, I just, I refuse any of those types of restrictions because they don't align with the way I wanna live my life. And and it's okay if they do align with the way you wanna live your life. But to me, life is about a Saturday afternoon and going and getting ice cream with my two little girls. And to me, life is about, you know, like enjoying all foods in the kitchen and not being restrictive. Life is about getting up from the table and feeling full and satisfied. Um, and for me, I feel that way when I eat Delicious, satisfying foods, including meat and dairy, and so that's something that that I don't think that they touched on. Just that, that, how I mean, I know vegans will say swear up and down like I'm full, I'm satisfied, I'm good, I'm never hungry. <laughs> um, but then I've heard others tell me that that they are hungry all the time. So it's so I think it maybe depends person to person. Um, so I guess my point here is, and I think what we're trying to say is, what are the benefits of eating? meat and dairy Well, there's nutritional benefits but there's also social benefits there's lifestyle benefits there's satisfaction that you that can be enjoyed um and all of those things i believe deserve a time and a place in how we make decisions around food no, we are not robots right like we don't just eat food and then you know, use that as energy in our bodies. Like food is so much more than fuel. It is fuel, but it's more than that. And so I think that's an important thing to keep in mind as we're navigating um, these decisions around food. So, okay. I think I'm looking through sort of the comments I got from from people on Facebook wanting to hear us discuss, and I'm I'm hoping that we hit on most of them. This, again, I think this conversation could be hours and hours long. There's so much to say. Um, But I'm really hoping that this is a helpful resource for people. And I really want to connect anyone listening to both of you, because um, it's always fun to uh, introduce my listeners to new people to follow who are who are positive and who are sending out good messages into the world that can help people in their journey toward a healthier relationship with food and their bodies? So um, Kathleen, do you mind going first and just talking about how people can
3: stay in touch with you or follow you? Um, Yeah. So I am on uh, Facebook. Pulse Nutrition YK is how you can find me. YK stands for yellow knife. Everyone always asks me that. Um, I used to be on Twitter and Instagram and I'm not going to lie that uh, it became a little much for me. So I'm not on there much anymore. Um, And uh, you can also find me online. My website is um, www.pulsenutritionyk.com. So that's where you can find me.
1: Perfect. And Vinci, what about you?
2: Um, yeah, so people can find me online on my website. It's just my name, VinciChoi.com. It's not pronounced how it's spelled, so I will spell it. It's V-I-N-C-C-I-T-S-U-I.com. Um, and then all my social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, it's um, at Vinci RD. So V-I-N-C-C-I-R-D. Mm-hmm.
1: Perfect. Okay. Well, All right. We've been planning this just for a few days. We've kind of put this together quickly. Do you guys feel like we did an okay job? Does anyone, are you, is anyone thinking, Oh, I should have said that. Or are you feeling like we wrap things up? Okay. Go Um, ahead.
2: Yeah, I think we wrap things up. Okay. I think kind of one point I kind of wanted to make about the film was that, and maybe like this would go back to kind of my thoughts about it in the beginning of like, expecting this like really deep dive into like the American healthcare system and then getting what, no offense, but kind of a really stereotypical vegan film. Like if you watch other vegan documentaries, like it's the same people that tend to get interviewed, like the same like pro-vegan you know medical professionals that tend to get interviewed like and there there's always that emotional like fear-mongering piece and then also yeah kind of that bit at the end with like the people who are very sick and then they go on a vegan diet and all of a sudden like it's like unicorns and rainbows and happy music and like you know their life is amazing and so um you know it's interesting that we are talking about this movie specifically but i would not be surprised if you could like play this interview and then watch another documentary another vegan documentary and it like a lot of the same points would apply
1: you know what it's my first vegan documentary i've actually sat through so that's good to know that they're all very similar i would imagine that they are yeah um Great thoughts. Thanks so much, Vinci, for being here. And Kathleen, let's hear, did you have something like, oh, I wish I had said that? Any other thoughts you'd like to say?
3: Um, I don't know if there's anything like specific that I really wanted to say, but I was one thing that I realized that we didn't touch a lot on that I'm sure people are going to be like, oh, they didn't talk about this. So that means something's going on is the, the sponsorship and side of things. Um, so... I think that's maybe an important thing just to touch on in that I do think that sometimes the sponsorships can be a problem. Um, You know, like I'm a member of Dietitians of Canada and therefore I get things in the mail from like PepsiCo and I don't think that should be the way things are. Um, And I do think that's a problem, but I think it's also important to know that doesn't mean that every single dietitian is in the pocket of some corporation, just because we get things in the mail sometimes. Um, we do still try to take a very um, evidence-based approach when we are looking at those products. Um, and just because I get something in the mail doesn't mean that I automatically you know, give it out to clients or something like that. So I, I just wanted to bring up the point on sponsorship. Um, and it definitely does affect the way that food policies are put together, and I think that that's a problem. Um, So, for example, I think it was the the Heart and Stroke Institute in Canada, they stopped doing um, sponsorships, and their um, recommendations, I noticed a shift in the way that they did things. They stopped doing the health check like they have um, in the States, and I did see um, just their content and the way that they talked about food was very different. And I really appreciated that. So I do think a shift towards, you know, less of the the sponsorship can be a good thing. But that being said, if someone like if a research study is sponsored by a food organization, that doesn't necessarily mean that you shouldn't look at the study at all, because researchers also have ethics right. of saying we got funding from here. Um, but, they didn't, you know, play any part in, in how we did the research study, because um, studies are expensive. So, I think when people just totally write off any study that had funding from industry, I don't think that's fair to the scientists. I do think, I'm sure there are lots of research studies that come out that are very biased, um, but when you look at the disclosures and the way that things are discussed in studies, that doesn't mean that the scientists are in the pockets of industry. So I guess that's just kind of a few points that I wanted to make right. about the um the sponsorship. Um, well that was another
1: problem was the, was the cause and effect conclusion he drew there too, right? Like I I do mm-hmm. think that it's a little bit bizarre that some of these large organizations are sponsored by some particular industry um in, or whatever companies, businesses, I don't even know the right word. Um that that does seem a bit concerning. And maybe something to look into more. But does that necessarily mean that, like, every person in the healthcare field is just out to get you? Um, no, like you said. And, and yeah, from, from our experience, I, I get the same things. Like, okay, yeah, I have some weird advertisements in some magazine that I subscribe to because I'm a dietitian, And, yeah, like there's, you know, the almond people are really on me. They really want me to recommend almonds. And, you know, that's cool. But I guess the point is, like, that potentially is a problematic thing. I think it deserves more attention, more research. Maybe that's been to what you were thinking the um, film was going to be about, more of that type of thing. And, and perhaps they have a point there. And, uh, but does that mean that, yeah, that all recommendations are just totally based on trying to make you sick or trying to you know make money? I don't, I don't know if that's totally fair conclusion either. But yeah, thanks for bringing that up. When I was th- saying, "Oh, we could go in so many directions with this," that was kind of what I was referring to, just like, "Okay, yeah, there's so much to say and there's so many topics." Um one of one of them being the sponsorships. So that is an interesting avenue to take and I think could have some more exploration. So, yeah. Thanks for being here. This was this was a lot of your time. I appreciate all of your thoughts and um and wisdom in this arena and I'm excited to share it with my listeners. And I really sincerely hope that people um, feel confident in their own ability to make their decisions about food in a way that's right for them. That's kind of our goal here. So thanks, Vinci and Kathleen, so much for being here and everybody make sure to follow them and reach out if you have questions. I'm sure they'd love to, to hear from you.
2: Yeah, thanks so much for having
3: us. Yeah, thanks so much, Paige.
2: Well, I sincerely
0: hope you've enjoyed this conversation If you haven't already, please go ahead and leave a review on iTunes. Thanks again so much for listening and we'll see you soon for another episode.